Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Hockey Hacks podcast, a proud member of the Heavy Hockey Network, a new friend of the Edmonton uh, Edmonton Sports Talk. And uh, Bruce, it seems to be that it's either it's feast or famine on the show. There's either eight of us or there's two of us. <laughs> you bet. It's, that's how we, how we roll. Uh, I'm Devin Davidson, your host, of course, with me as always, Bruce Gunther. Hello. This is episode 124, Metropolitan Division Fantasy Preview Part 2. Um, no John tonight. He didn't tell us why. He just gave us like a real mad face emoji type deal. So I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on with him. And, uh, Tyler is traveling today. So, uh, you guys get the, the original host of the show, uh, which is always a good time, Bruce. You and I always seem to have a, a good time doing these things. So, you bet. um, before we get too deep into it, I just want to mention this episode is brought to you by Flaviar. Refine your palate with spirits from around the world. Sample and train your palate with curated tasting sets. Buy bottles at a discount and curate your home bar. Socialize and learn together with other members. Visit flaviar.com slash FHH today to save 10% when you sign up for a subscription available to listeners in the United States, United Kingdom, and European Union. Um, a couple more kind of just uh, things on the agenda here. I think, how did you feel about the the episode last night, Bruce? Our first episode, our, our live show on Edmonton Sports Talk. Uh, technically, I think we had zero issues, which is kind of nice. It was nice. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Michael did a great job producing the show for us, made that very simple. We just had to sit here and talk. So that was great. Yeah. The little pop-up notes and that, that was awesome. I was like, yeah, no, I, it was, it was great. And and thank you to everyone that engaged. We had lots of questions from a few people and, uh, that, and that was, was fun. Really good. Yeah. You uh, bet. Thank you to Jason for popping on with us. We always enjoy that. Um, Absolutely. make sure you tune in next week for Oilers live on Tuesday, uh, 9 PM mountain standard time. And then we'll be back on on Wednesday at uh, 9 p.m. That's at edmontonsportstalk.com. Um, yeah, this feels almost like a night off, Bruce. There's no... <laughs> we, we, can, we can mess up as much as we want, and we'll just edit it and post, and it's fine. So Yeah, there, there's, no, there's no time pressures. There's nothing. It's just you can just sit here and go. Yeah, that was really strange trying to adjust to all, the, all these time restrictions and just knowing that we had exactly an hour and a half and... Yeah. Uh, the, the outro is about three seconds long, so. <laughs> it didn't last long, nope. No. Uh, the other kind of, thing. Kind of close. That's right. And the other thing I just wanted to mention quickly is that Dauber Hockey actually gave us five more Ultimate Fantasy Hockey prize packs. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm not entirely sure how we should do that. I'm thinking if you want to get entered in to win those, uh, just very low key this time, leave us a five-star review. So, and then, and then send me a screenshot. So if I see a five-star review and if you follow us on Twitter or X, um, the first five people to do that and, and DM me the info, uh, I'm going to email you one of those ultimate prize packs. There you go. Simple and straightforward. Simple and straightforward. Uh, truthfully, we've got so much going on with the content that (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know if we have a ton of time, Bruce, to be worrying about uh, contests right now, as much as we enjoy them, but. Yes. So. Only keeping it simple though. Yes. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. It worked for Gene Simmons. It can work for us too. There you go. Uh, All right. With that, let's get into it. 2023-2024 Metro Division Fantasy Hockey Preview Part 2. As we do each offseason, we are going to assess each division and team based on the results from the previous year, as well as any changes that were made as a result of the NHL entry draft and free agency. 
So which teams improved, declined, or remained largely the same? Team statistics, schedule notes, additions, departures, and projections for key fantasy-relevant players in 2023-2024. And with that, Bruce, let's go straight to the Carolina Hurricanes, maybe the most boring elite team in the league. (laughs) Pretty close. (laughs) Pretty close. Uh, 52-21-9 last year. They're first in the Metro. 15th in goals for at 3.2. They were second in goals against with 2.56. Goals for percentage was 57.45. Corsi 4 was first at nearly 60%. Great puck possession team. Uh, power play could use some work, though. They were 20th last year at 19.8%, and the PK was fantastic at 84.4%. They've got 14 back-to-back sets this season, tied for third most with Ottawa. 27 of their games, or 33%, are played on light days tied for the eighth fewest among all teams in 23-24. Key additions, Michael Bunting, Tony D'Angelo, key departures, Paul Stastny, and Shane Gostisbehere. So, Bruce, did this team improve, decline, or remain largely the same? I think it's largely the same. I don't know. If there's there's no... If it's an improvement or... It's just... It's slight. It's not... Not too much. I think they're hoping that Mr. D'Angelo helps the power play out to get it back to where it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say improved. I, I think I agree with that, Bruce. Like just, just slightly. I don't think it was any massive improvements, but Michael Bunting is shown to be a productive player. I mean, playing with Matthews, it's hard not to be in Marner, but um, yeah. I think he'll be a, a welcome addition to the top six there. Um, Seth Jarvis probably looks to take a step forward this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sveshnikov is back, so hopefully he can stay healthy and and put up a pile of points and, and throw a bunch of hits and um and then they've got like eighteen goaltenders to choose from. So really, they <laughs> exactly right. Oh boy, things should be just fine. So let's let's talk about some of these guys. Um, I think let's let's jump in right to goaltending, Bruce, because that one truthfully, okay. uh, and, and I'm gonna maybe lean on you for this one because this was really your baby, and I and I agree with what you've done here. Um. I may not have done it this way, but I go ahead. T- tell us what you're thinking for, for Carolina for next year. So my thought, is it's going to be a three-headed monster. So I realize uh, Kachetkov's probably going to start the season in the AHL. He's still waivers eligible, so he's going to start the season in the AHL. But we both know Ranta and Anderson's history. They're going to get hurt sometimes at the same time, and they're going to need someone to, to fill the net, and Kachetkov's going to be there. So like I've got him slated here for... 20 starts this season, which is slightly less than what he did last year. I think it was 20, 23 for him last year. I forgot to write that write that down. Mike, but, I'll look it up here, Bruce. But Kochetkov is gonna see is gonna see starts this year for Carolina because like I said, Rant is gonna get hurt, Anderson's gonna get hurt, and they're gonna need someone to play. And really to be honest, if Anderson goes down to Rant, it goes down. Kochetkov may may play, and they may just sit the other goalie too. It, it, it all, that's the wonderful thing about Carolina goaltending. You never know until the game starts who's going to start. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, Twenty four starts for Kochetkov last season. Yeah. So yeah. Just, it's twenty five. It's what twenty twenty five ish percent, twenty seven percent, roughly. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, th- I think what you got here makes a lot of sense, Bruce. Uh, so t- 20 starts, 14 wins for Kachekov, 22 starts, 12 wins for Ranta, and then 40 starts and 25 wins for Anderson. I, I Would you agree at this point that Anderson is still the the most sought after of the three, probably the, the guy you should be leaning on if you're going to yep. 
Definitely. Wade, wade into those Carolina Hurricanes waters, which for me personally, I just want no part of it. And unless I'm drafting Kochetkov in a keeper league or a dynasty league, uh, yeah. I, I don't really have a lot of interest in the the crease in Carolina. Yeah, he is not. He's not. Kochetkov isn't seeing the net unless one of the other two get hurt. They're gonna. He's waivers eligible for another season, and they're not gonna rush him. Uh, Ranta was was solid though last year, as he has been Very throughout solid. his career, right? Yeah, nineteen and three, two point two three goals against average. Um, I mean, Anderson had a shaky season in the in the during the regular season, but he actually looked really good in the playoffs last year. Yes, he did. I don't have all of his numbers here, but he he was he was great. He was fantastic, and it's going to be interesting to watch what they do there in Carolina. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I guess we forgot to add Dmitri or- Orlov to the uh, additions. I guess I forgot to add him to the additions. <laughs> yeah, this was kind of on you this week. All the all the notes this for this was, episode. Yeah. Um, I kind of missed that one. But they, you know what? They probably have the, if not the deepest, one of the deepest top six on the back end in the entire league. Very close. If it, yeah. I mean, you've got Absolutely. you've got yeah. Burns, you've got Slavin, you've got Orloff now. Like Orloff was a great get for them. You got Brett Pesci, yeah. right? You got, uh, yeah. I mean, D'Angelo not defensively, but he's another just depth piece that I think the reason we like him here is is just again for that power play, right? So yeah, that's why he's there. It's that's strictly the power play. They were so when D'Angelo when he signed his that league minimum one year deal, their power play was. 13th overall that year with okay. D'Angelo running it. So, and now they went to use basically a mix of Burns and Shea last year and Burns got some points, but the power play sucked basically. Yeah. So they're hoping that D'Angelo can bring that, bring some of that magic back and move them back up into the, hopefully the get closer to the top 10 like they were before. Well, and part of that could be too, um, you know, the absence of Sveshnikov, right? He played 64 games last season. Um, you know, so that's a guy you need on your power play, right? Yep. But well, cause, yeah, they got lots of forwards that can play the power play. It's just weird seeing it that low. Like, it, you, yeah, you think just given their possession numbers and and some of the talent they have around them, they, yeah. they should be better. There's no question. And, you and, would think, right? And Burns, for the longest time, was was a great power play quarterback, right? So it's yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like I I want to think that Burns will still be the top guy running the power play unit, but I just, I see no other reason to bring Tony D'Angelo back into your roster other than to run the power play. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I think D'Angelo will see, will see the top power play. You'll probably see Burns on power play too, most likely, unless they decide to go three forwards and two defensemen and put both of them, both of them back there. But I, with the amount of forwards that Carolina's got, I, I can't see them doing that. I think it's D'Angelo on one and Burns on two. Yeah, and and unless they decide to split their power plays too, like I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, that could happen too, but I don't know. And, and the thing is too, they have enough defensive defensemen that it's not like you're saving Brent Burns to play defensive minutes at even strength. Yeah, right. You've, you've got and other guys he, that can do that. Yeah, and even too, when Brady Shea had an opportunity to run the power play, he did a serviceable job too on that. So it's not like, yeah, yeah, he has for sure. Uh, Okay, so saying all of that, we've got Brent Burns projected for 15 goals and 55 points this season. Um, not earth-shattering numbers and definitely a step back from, uh, you know, really fantasy-relevant Burns of, of old. But 
he is getting up there too. Thirty-seven years old now, I think. So, um, yep. You got to think at some point there's going to be some age-related decline. Uh, what did he play last year? Sixty-one points, eighteen goals. He still played over twenty-three minutes a game. Yeah. So. Oh, well, big body, long stick. That. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just got to be in the right position. You can cover a lot of space. Uh, and then D'Angelo, we've got for 12 goals and 44 points. Um, again, probably a good chunk of that is going to be power play points. And power I think, play, yeah. yeah, like to me, he's kind of, uh, he's almost going to be like Tyson Berry, what he was for Edmonton, right? Kind of just a power play specialist, third pairing minutes. You play yeah. sheltered minutes. Um, and if the power play goes well, he'll definitely surpass 44 points. For sure. Yeah, definitely doable. Uh, Jacob Slavin, another guy, Seven goals, forty-two points. I think you know. And given his ADP, uh, is that right, Bruce? One seventy-three. I checked that. Uh, Slavin. No, I think that's wrong because I think I forgot. Uh, well, you're not far. It's it's one seventy-two point five right now. Because him and Orloff have the same ADP, so I'm wondering if I forgot one or used the same one for both. It's all good, uh, but it, but very close, right? And then so Orloff yeah. probably in that same. Yeah. Same vein. Well, actually, one sixty four point three. So, hmm. interesting. Um, okay. Who else? Who else? We've talked about Seth Jarvis a number of times, Bruce. I think we all kind of feel like he he ten points, fifteen. Uh, yeah, ten points in fifteen games for Carolina last year in the playoffs. He looked really good. I think he's playing over twenty minutes a game. Um, does he take a step forward? We got him for twenty two goals and fifty nine points this year. Be nice if he did. I'm sure Carolina would be happy if he would do that. Is he currently going undrafted? Jarvis? Seth Jarvis. Oh, here I got one. I'm just I'm just curious. I'm looking at this and uh we don't have a value down for him, but I'm just okay, one sixty four. Still pretty good value for a guy that's gonna go at that point in the draft, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, any interest in Tavo Teravainen for, for this season? I, I've seen depth charts, Bruce, where he's on the top left wing spot and I've seen them where he's on the fourth line. Like it's just, he's kind of all <laughs> over the place. So I just, he's, he's dealt uh, with injuries. He's dealt with some inconsistent play. Um, doesn't, not really, no. doesn't help you with a lot of categories. I, I, the one thing I'd say about him is right, he has left wing, right wing eligibility. So there, yeah. Maybe he's a fill-in player, maybe. Yeah. But that would be it. Uh, Michael Bunting, we mentioned him earlier. 27 goals, 55 points. Probably is playing on that second line, or do you think he's going to get top-line duty? Uh, I'm thinking second or third line. I can't see him on the top line. There's too much talent ahead of him for for him to play on the top line. I think it'd be second or third. Yeah, I'm just looking at this... uh... I don't know. I like left wing lock as one example has Bunting lined up with Aho and Seth Jarvis, and then they've got Svechnikov, Kakaniemi, and Martin Nietzsche's, um to round out. So I mean, I and again, this is uh, this is where I say Tavo Teravine is playing on the right, the fourth line right wing. So <laughs> not really the place for him. It just feels like the range of outcomes for Teravine is all over all the over map. the place. Yeah, all over the place. He's probably a guy that I would watch list and just see like. So then I go to Dauber's um, depth chart and, and 
they have him top line left wing. So uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah. we'll see. I mean, I don't know. And then, well, yeah. Dauber also has Martin Nietzsche playing center on the second line with Kakaniemi on the third. Um, and that feels a bit more like I like that second line better actually with Bunting, Nietzsche, and Svechnikov. Mm-hmm. That feels like a stronger second line to me, but. Well, they'll have a, they got lots of options. They can do a bunch of line combinations. So I'm sure they'll go through the motions in training camp and see, see who works well with who. Uh, speaking of um, Martin Nietzsche, so we've got him projected for 29 goals and 70 points. How do you feel about that player this year? I just not too sure. So I probably, for me, he'd be more of a, I think I'll let someone else draft him as opposed to myself. Just too much volatility there for me. It's there's a pretty, pretty different uh, high highs and lows there. I guess it would be from one year to another. Right. Last year was high. The year before that was really low. And then the year before that, it was good again. So hopefully he can be consistent this year, but I, Probably for looking at other players in the seventy point range, I I'd be looking at somebody else. You know, it's really interesting. So we I've talked about the Dauber two hundred game breakout threshold a, a number of times recently, and and some guys think it's it's voodoo, and but it's it's been shown it's it, it may be a thing. So I'm just looking at Martin Nietzsche's here. He had one game in 2017, 2018, and then he had seven games played in 2018, 2019. So I'm not really going to include those here, but. So if you exclude those eight games, basically he this past season was his fourth year, and he started at just over um, 200 games played, right? So he was right at his breakout yeah. threshold at the beginning of last season. He comes in 71 points, 28 goals. Um, he looked pretty good, played 18 and a half minutes, right? And so that's the other thing too is his deployment changed a little bit. Uh, he actually actually got power play time. He got power play one time, and it looks again, looking at a lot of depth charts that he's going to get that power play one role uh, in Carolina again this season. So definitely helps his fantasy value. That's for sure. It does. Yeah. And so I'm just kind of, I mean, where do you take that guy? Right. So 145.6. I'm kind of with you. It feels like that's maybe a bit early for me. If I get him a bit, a bit later than that, I'm probably, I wouldn't mind picking him up. The only three consistents in Carolina is going to be Ajo, Svechnikov and probably D'Angelo. Well, and that's kind of what I mean is like um, Svechnikov is being drafted at just under 70, 68.6. And and we've got him projected for four points difference. And, and you know, between uh, yeah. Svechnikov and, and there's Nietzsche's. almost eight rounds different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you can get really good value. The difference being that if you're in a bangers league and you're looking for hits, um, Svechnikov is going to be a better option, right? Yeah, because he hits a lot more than... I'm just looking at last year's numbers here. Um, 57 hits for, for Nietzsche. Pull up Svetch. Bruce, I should have got you a coffee. 2.19 hits wow. per game for uh, for Svechnikov. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a mess tonight, though. <laughs> I am a definite mess. Well, I, I am, I am uh, chugging a, a cold coffee here so yeah it's uh i, I hear you I, I was a wreck before we got on the show and i know john's not even here so <laughs> uh okay um where was I? I just lost my screen here all right uh so yeah 30 goals 74 points for Svetch, 29 goals 70 points for Nietzsche. 
And then, like you had said, probably the one real consistent guy, producer, uh, every year for them is, is Sebastian Ajo. Um, yeah. And he's he's kind of going in the third or fourth round. I just... Yeah, which isn't too bad for him. It's fine. Point-per-game player, that's not too bad. If he's a point-per-game player, I think that's fine. If you can get him in the fourth round, right? Yeah, I would say so. I just... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a great team, but Carolina, just from a fantasy perspective, doesn't excite me very much. No, me neither. Like, I just don't... It's not a team that I typically target, so... Um, no. They'll do well. They'll, they'll probably be right in the thick of it for a, another divisional title, but I, I'm just... For fantasy... They're a bit of a snooze fest for me. Yep. All right. So saying that, let's move on to Columbus, which is way more exciting, Bruce. <laughs> well, especially with the news lately. Yeah. It's Well, yeah. And actually, you know, looking at the personnel this year, I, I'm kind of half serious. Like, I think they've got some players that I'm actually really intrigued by this year. And um, like Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine are kind of staples. And you, you know that if healthy, those guys are going to be producers. Definitely. Uh, Boone Jenner, I think, is is almost criminally underrated. Um, Especially if he gets to play between the two, between Lion A and, and Goudreau, that could be a, a very good, very good spot for him. Well, and he's not even, right now, he's not even getting drafted, Bruce. I know, right? You could pick him up off the wire and, like, he could be a 65, 70-point player if he can stay healthy. Just playing between those two guys, and you could pick him up off the wire. That would be it's fantastic. A, it's incredible. And like the guy, so he averages just under two hits per game last year, uh, 1.9, right? Yeah. A, over a block per game, almost a, almost a penalty minute per game. He was at like 0.75 or something. Like he was up there. Um, That's some good category coverage. Like good category coverage. He, he's a threat to score 30 goals if he's healthy. Like I think 30 goals, 60 points. And that's kind of, we've got him at 29 and 50, yeah. right? So, I don't know. It's just he can play it's, a full season. Yeah, it's crazy to me, and I and I think he is going to get that top line, Bruce. I I don't I don't see them just throwing because they have Jenner there. He's still only thirty years old. I don't see them just throwing Fantilli in there, especially because Jenner's your captain, right? In Columbus. Yeah. Do you think they're going to bring a rookie in? Unless he drastically outplays him, I don't think they're going to just throw a rookie in the top line. No. And there was uh, I had read somewhere that Lion he said too he would be open to be open to playing center too if they needed him to. Okay. Yeah, I, I read that too. Yeah. So I think he played a little bit of center last season, but for now they have a new coach. Well, they may have a new coach again too. You never know oh, <laughs> how this whole league shakes out. It took in, it took until September twelfth, Bruce, for there to be an incident, and I and I honestly haven't read oh, a lot about the story. Um, I neither. I I read it and I just like, oh god. So I I don't want to speculate, but it's just like the guy's been around for two weeks, and he's already like, there's already a story, right? It's just kind of. Yeah. I don't know. So d- does it affect you at all looking at this from a fantasy perspective? Do you care? Is it going to affect the no. players or are you just going to draft these guys going, yeah, that's, it is what it is. I've got to, yeah. For the players that, that I would target on here, I would be more concerned about their injury history than I would be the coach. Okay. Totally fair. Um, Since we're talking about centers and, and we mentioned Fantilli, let's talk about him really quickly. Again, a difficult player to project. Um, yeah. I think he does fit sort of the the banger mold a little bit from what I know about the player, and uh, we we have a it's a I, I don't I don't want to call it conservative because fifty six points still feels like quite a bit for a rookie, but uh, twenty two goals and fifty six points. I mean, I can see him getting more power. Like one spot where I can see him potentially taking over is is in the power play. 
definitely. No, well, I could definitely see him there. Like, like you got, they put Fantilli in there. You got Lyonnais. You got Gaudreau. You got Orensky on the point. That's that's a nice looking power play right there. Yeah, I, I think like that's where I could see that being the case where Jenner maybe loses a bit of his power play time, but um, he's also good on the draw. Fifty, almost fifty five percent. 758 faceoffs won last year, which would have probably placed him fairly high in league standing. So don't sleep on Boone Jenner. I'm starting to sound like Blake Creamer here. I'll have to get my <laughs> my Boone Jenner t-shirt. But um, yeah, okay, Patrick Laine, what do you think, Bruce? Can he, can he crack 40 this year? We've got him for 38 and 38 goals and 80 points. But I, I think if healthy, he should be a lock for 40, no? If he's healthy, absolutely. It's health is his is is his concern because when he's healthy like last season when he was healthy he was a point per game player yeah what did he do in his first well he had four points in eight games um he had a great start and then he got hurt but then in the middle yes we had 18 points it was kind of yeah and then he got hurt again and then when he came back he was just he was like a house on fire well, like there's a stretch there. He had 38 points and 17 goals in 40 games. Yeah. So he he was fantastic. But it just again, yeah, it's gonna stay on the ice. Yeah, he's got to he's got to stay healthy. That's the only way he's gonna he's gonna get there. But I mean, he's been a point per game player uh, in three of the last four seasons. So I yeah. think that's a, that's a nice option. And is his ADP honestly 160.5? Uh, 159.7. Okay, so people are starting to warm up to him a little bit here. Um, but that that feels like really good value for a guy that could play oh, yeah. could play at a point per game. If I'm seeing him there at that there, I'm, I'm grabbing him definitely. Well, and you know Tyler's going to be gunning for him too. So uh, Tyler's going to pick him right after Bouchard. <laughs> <laughs> the three of us will be just duking it out for Liney. Yeah. Uh, all right, Johnny Goudreau, 34 goals, 84 points. Any thoughts on Goudreau for next year? No, I think first year was a bit of an adjustment for him when they had a ton of injury issues. Like, I think they had the most man games lost in the NHL last year. Like, they, like you touch the player with a puck and he'd fall over and break something. It was it was terrible for them. So, uh, Goudreau, yeah, if he's got, I have no trouble with him being a point per year. At a point per game, no problem at all. All right. Uh, if you're looking at some of these younger guys, Ken Johnson. I know you're a big fan of Ken Johnson. I am. I uh, I like to see him take another step here this season. We'll see how how his deployment and see how it all goes. So, I think they've got him projected on the second line. I think is what I've been seeing so far. A pretty productive season last year. No. Yeah, it was actually good, and you take another another little step forward. I think every little every little bit helps. I think they've got him on the wing, but he is listed as a center, so that's some nice flexibility as well. Yeah, I'm looking like realistically that was his first. He had nine games played before that, but that was his first full yeah. season with the team. So to come out and put up you know 39 points in 16, almost a 20 point season. He only played 14 and a half minutes. Yeah, he didn't play a lot. No, so it's pretty good production out of him. And if he does get, like you said, some top six minutes out of it, um, could be a nice addition probably 
He's going undrafted too. So that he's definitely yeah. a watch list guy for me. For sure. Keep an eye on him. Uh, Zach Wierenski, there's been lots of talk about Zach Wierenski this summer. I know there's a lot of other fantasy hockey minds that, that love Zach Wierenski, and, and I do too. But I feel like our our projection, though, Bruce, I think is a little bit more conservative. I've seen some people say he can score 20 or you know 22 goals. Um, we've got him at 16 and 54, and I, I, I kind of feel like that's the right spot for him. Yeah, because he started, he started hot before he got hurt. He was clipping it along at a very nice pace, and then he had a shoulder shoulder injury, and then that put him out for the season because, like I said, that power play, you've got him on the points. You've got Lyonie, you've got Gaudreau. You'll probably have Fantilli in there, and then they'll need someone to play on probably on the right side. So I think the Marchenko might be the one. They might rotate people in and out of there. That's going to be a nice power play. Yeah, they'll be fun to watch. I, I still stand by my prediction that like his his three year average is twenty five minutes played. Yeah. Um I'm gonna say I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that he plays closer to twenty three minutes. I think he played twenty three, thirty six in thirteen games. So I like I just think with Provorov and Severson and some of the other guys they have available to them, he's gonna play a few less minutes. Yeah, they don't. He's got some help there. He doesn't have to be everything out there. They've got right. They've got him some help now, so he's he doesn't have to shoulder the load all on his own. I get it? Shoulder the load. Shoulder, <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, pun intended. <laughs> Unintended pun there. And and I mean, well, I guess looking at this too, like he's always had offensive zone starts um, close to sixty percent. So like he's not getting yeah. used a ton in the defensive zone. But I'm just thinking some of those even strength minutes he might. So it might be a 30-second difference this year. It could be a minute difference. I'm just saying there'll be a little bit less opportunity at even strength. He's going to get all the opportunity on the power play. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe we shouldn't just consider this guy a 70-point lock just yet. If the power play takes off, he'll be close. Again, good value. Like, he's going around 156. Yeah. So this, this is a guy, like, he's going to go earlier. I think we know that, yeah. especially in our ESPN league. Um, some of these experts leagues, like if we're drafting with Nate, just, just know he's yeah. going to take him at like right around a hundred. I, I, I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, yeah. Proveroff and Severson, we, you know, I mentioned them. I don't think there's anything to get really excited about in terms of offensive production. Both are kind of like 30 to 35 point guys. Um, yeah, if you unless get, Wierenski gets hurt again, unless Wierenski gets hurt again. And if that's the case, then Severson is a really nice waiver wire pickup. Uh, and there's maybe some of the young guys there that could pick up the slack too, but uh, Severson filled in really well for the Devils, actually, when Hamilton was out with injury. He did very well. What did he put up that year? I'm just going to take a quick look. It was an impressive number, whatever it was, from what I remember. Um, yeah, like 40, 46 points, 11 goals in 80 games. So not... It's nice little... Yeah, it's not bad, right? Like, he actually had yeah. 31... 31 points that season in, what is that, 45 games? That's a pretty good clip. That's a nice That's a nice pace. Yeah. So I, like, I think he's capable if ever called upon, but um, the shot volume is not great, and defensively no. he's not a, a real gem, as I understand either. So take that for what it's worth. Um, goaltending, what do you, what do you make of, of Elvis Merzlikens? I feel like this is sort of a bounce back year or could be a bounce back year for Elvis Merzlikens. And he's a guy that I had um, tabbed to talk about last night as 
another player that's going undrafted that could potentially provide some value in your fantasy drafts? I think he's going to be a very good zero G option this year. He can have a bounce back season because yeah, he's not going to go drafted. I don't think he's going to get drafted. Not after what he put up last season, but he could be a very, uh, a very strong force in zero G for, for anyone that needs a goaltending that late in the draft. Yeah. He had a really rough year last year. Like, yeah. What was his final numbers? Eight and eight seventy six. Oh man, an eight seventy six yeah. and a four point two three. But you know, you you go back to the start of twenty twenty one. In twelve games, he had a two point four one goals against average and a nine twenty nine save percentage. Like the guy looked yeah. fantastic. He finished the year with a nine twelve in twenty four games played, and then last year was just kind of a train wreck. So, yeah. Oh, in that year, he put that number. The team that was in front of him played. They were. That was the team that knocked Tampa out of the playoffs, was it not? Good question. Uh, I want to say that was Bob was it Bob was in net, but wasn't that? Oh no, maybe that was the year before that. I think it was the year before that, Bruce. It was the year before that, but still, because they Tampa the won. In, I was just sorry, I was going to say Tampa won in twenty and twenty one, right? I think so. And then they got knocked out in the first round in nineteen, I believe, to Columbus. Yeah. Either way, the team in front of them then was better than the team in front of them now. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 52 starts and 22 wins. You're comfortable with that? I think so. I think I put that in there, so I should be. I think 52 starts, like 63% net share, 65% net share seems reasonable to me. And then, you know, the wins, who knows? We'll see. And it all depends on how their season goes. If they come out and, and they come out and they play well and Merzlikens is playing well. That number will look really good if he has a season like last season. Then Tarasov could see a lot more time in the net. Yeah, although he was only marginally better. Uh, I think I just I could be wrong, Bruce, but I, I think I jumped over the team stats here too. So I'll just run through those. Oh. I think I, I think I missed him. I don't know, but um, really quickly, twenty five, forty eight, nine, eighth in the Metro, two point six goals for per game was thirtieth in the league last year. Goals against was thirty first at four point zero one. Uh, we probably could have skipped them. It would. <laughs> oh boy. I'm like, how, how did I forget this? These are terrible stats. Uh, power play and special teams is a train wreck too. 26th in the power play and 25th in the PK. So uh, they got 13 back-to-back sets this season. Fourth most with Montreal and Toronto. 34% of the games are played on light days. Uh, the ninth most amongst all NHL clubs. And then again, we've talked about Provorov, Severson and Fantilli as key additions. And then key departures uh, being Jakub Voracek. Okay, and with that, Bruce, let's move on to probably the most exciting team we're going to talk about tonight. It's really funny. We put, I think so. We lumped the Devils in with the Carolina Hurricanes, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the New York Islanders. <laughs> this would have been the most bland episode ever had we not put the New Jersey Devils in here. I know. I know. Uh, there's lots. There's lots of wonderful options in New Jersey. My goodness, lots. Um. All right, so let's start it off real quick. 52, 22, and 8, second in the Metro. Goals 4 was 5th at 3.52. Goals against was 8th at 2.71. Corsi 4 was 4th at 53.67. The power play was 13th at 21.9%, and the PK was 4th with uh, a percentage of 82.6. They've got 16 back-to-back sets this season, the most among all NHL clubs in 23-24. I think that bodes well for Akira Schmid, who... I think lots of people are picking this guy anyway, but with that number of back-to-backs, yep. you know, you're guaranteed probably 16 starts right there. For sure. 
and then for sure whatever happens with Vanacek. So uh, 34 games or 41% are played on light days. That is the fourth most among all teams for next season. Key additions, Tyler Toffoli, key departures, Damon Severson. Uh, Bruce, for your money, did this team improve, decline, or remain largely the same? I think they got better. I really think they got better. You add adding Toffoli up front for what they paid for him. That's that's that was nice. That was really nice. That's a, that's a and then go ahead. Yeah, it's, I think there was more changes on defense too. I think I bungled that one up too. Oh, who knows? Let's see. I think they see. I think Graves left too. Did he not? Graves in Pittsburgh, isn't he? Yeah. Was it this year or is it the year before? I, think, <laughs> I can't remember. I think that was a summer. Is that a summer one? Summer exchange. But um just pulling up their depth chart here. Oh. They've got Jonas Siegenthaler, Dougie Hamilton, Luke Hughes, John Marino, Kevin Ball, and Colin Miller. So yeah. yeah well, adding Luke Luke Hughes will be, be huge for them too. But Absolutely, I, I agree 100 percent on that one. Um, Tyler Toffoli is is easily their most notable acquisition. Like, there's some other guys they've added, but they're mostly depth pieces. Yeah. Colin Miller was was, I mean, he should play some some minutes for him. Cal Foot, um, kind of just a, a bit of a project there. But yeah, I mean they they lost some depth guys. They lost uh, Jesper Boquist, Miles Wood, Ryan Graves, as you had mentioned, Thomas Tatar. Uh, Blackwood's gone, but I don't think that's a yeah. real loss, to be honest. No. Um, so there he really go. didn't play anyway. <laughs> he was hurt too often. He was hurt all the time. Yeah, there was lots of issues there. But I, I am really excited about this team. So, um, are are they a bit overhyped, Bruce? Like, is this a team that they've obviously got Stanley Cup aspirations? Uh, I think all the odds makers, you know, have them as favorites for lots of different things, but. Does does it is it going to happen? Is or is this is it a lot of hype or is it is it real? I think if you look at the team as a whole, last year I think they they overachieved last year for what was probably expected of them, and now that they've done that, now everyone's expected them to take that step further, right? Sure. Hughes Hughes had a fantastic season. They added Meyer at the deadline. Heischer and Brat played well. Mercer stepped up. Like then you add to Foley. You got Luke Hughes on the back end for more offense. Like you've got Schmid and Vanacek and Net. That's you look at the playoffs where Vanacek kind of wavered a little bit and Schmid picked up the slack there in the playoffs. Expect expectations for this team is huge this year. As in, is it justified? Well, uh, we'll find out. I'm going to be really interested to see how they all sort of react to that pressure. Because it's a little different yeah. when when you're playing with house money like they were last year. There's no expectations, yeah. and they no. went out and and you know Jack Hughes finally was healthy and and he looked phenomenal. Um, Vanacek played well for long stretches. I mean Dougie Hamilton had a great season. Um, yeah, it's different when there's no and like you said Dawson Mercer stepped up. So I'm just it'll be interesting to see how they they react this year uh, and and how all those pieces sort of fit together because. Um, the top six looks looks pretty stacked. Definitely. You look at that lineup, it's like, you look at the power play, it's like, oh boy, <laughs> that's nice. That's very nice. It's interesting because they've got two guys in Jack Hughes and Timo Meyer that are just huge shot monsters, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
I think oh they both they both were tied. Twelve point nine shots on goal per sixty. Yeah, they're they're amongst the best in the NHL, right? It was like elite, yeah, they were shot production. Fifth best, I think, is what I read. Yeah, yeah. So Jack Hughes, I like this Bruce. I think he's got a shot at at fifty goals and hundred points. Like I think he can yeah. he can be he right there. He just came up short last year, just a little short. Yeah, you think he could knock one in off his butt or something, right? But <laughs> exactly, just stick it out, do something. It off. Uh, forty-seven goals, one hundred and three points. But great season from him. Shot production is fantastic. Um, he's going to yeah. be playing on a, another really solid line. Um, and where is he going right now, Bruce? He's going high, thirteen point one. So just 13. just right at the turn. Uh, Timo Meyer. If you're looking for category coverage, if you're looking for shots, if you're looking for goals. This is a guy to mark on your draft list going right now in the third round. Um, 154 hits. Bad. No, it's, it's not terrible. 154 hits and 37 blocks last season. Uh, we've got him projected here for 37 goals and 72 points. So seems like a little bit high for a guy that may not put up as many points as you'd like, but if you're in a, a league where you need category coverage, then you know, all day he's a he's a great option. All too, and I think they have Hughes and Meyer slated to play on different lines, which will help both of them. Because if they played on the same line, you're gonna be you're basically stealing one for the other. If you put them on separate lines, then you've got yeah, you can run them out at full at full capacity. Well, and so that that kind of that has me thinking you're exactly right. And that has me thinking about a guy, Tyler Toffoli. We've got him here, Bruce, at 30 goals and 62 points. I'm really curious to see how Toffoli does this year playing on a line, if he does play on a line with Jack Hughes, because we know that Jack Hughes is a shoot-first guy, right? Um, But Toffoli, he had a career-best 11.8 shots on goal per 60 last season, just behind Alex Ovechkin for top 10 league-wide. Can he maintain that same shot rate playing with Jack Hughes? Because they're they're both going to want to shoot the puck, right? And we saw it with Connor and uh, Taylor Hall, right? It was like yeah. they both guys wanted to have the puck all the time, and you can't have that on the line. It doesn't work. So yeah. does Toffoli's shot rate go down a little bit, or like what do we see happen, right? And and uh, a couple the nice thing with Toffoli is he can fit in just about anywhere, right? So last year with the, all the stuff that happened in Calgary, he was basically given prime deployment and go, here, have fun with it, roll with it, right? And he made the most of it, right? He sure did. But if you look through the history, he's been – third line second line he's never been really that been that top top line player so i think he'll just adapt to whatever whatever is needed for him and he's still going to get his points his shot rate may not be as high but he's still going to get his points well there's a couple things so his shot rate but then also his individual shooting percentage at 12.7 percent was the third highest of his career last season and he had the most power play time he never had at 256 uh time on ice per game and a 56 percent power play share so do all of those things repeat again next year? It, I'm not saying it won't. It's just, it's a concern of mine, right? Does he does he get all the power play time in, in New Jersey because they've got lots of options? And does he continue shooting the puck as much? Yeah. Time will tell. But I think, too, at an ADP of 73.5, um, maybe there are worse bets. I'd like, I would like to take him a round or two yeah. later, but. Yeah, because the projections I've seen have Toffoli on power play, too. Yes. 
So that's that is part of the equation here. Is if he gets power play two yeah. time and if he doesn't shoot as much and if he doesn't convert on those shots as much, you know, thirty goals may be a stretch. Could be. He's gonna stick his butt out and maybe Hughes can bank a couple of shots <laughs> off of it. Uh, you know what? Again, just great years and career years, basically from Brat and from Heischer. Uh, yeah, Heischer. I mean, he had a career year last year, eighty points. Do you have forty-one goals? Is that is that the quietest forty goals ever scored? <laughs> Probably. Uh, Nico Heischer, thirty-one goals and 30, forty-nine assists. Thirty-one. Okay, I'll get my eyes checked. I got the, I got the, <laughs> I got dyslexic when I typed those numbers in. I was thinking forty-one goals. That's amazing. I, I had no idea, but um, still thirty-one goals. Great for me because yeah. this is a guy that I think a couple years into his career they're going, is this guy a bust? Right. Yeah. And I think you had a note in here, Bruce. Like, probably the most uh, impressive thing is that he he managed those eighty points with a offensive zone start of percentage of 45.7 yeah he spent uh, he spent quite a bit of time in the defensive zone so yeah. that's uh shot rate came up so from 6.88 shots on goal per 60 in three previous seasons to 9.8 last year uh makes a big difference obviously that that's an additional 10 goals right there basically yep. um he's gonna play on a great line top six like he's gonna point per game should be pretty much a slam dunk for him next year you think I think so. Yeah, like you said you look at that top six, and it's like, wow. <laughs> I guess there's just fantasy gold here. I think is what you're going to see from a lot of these players. It's they're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Dawson Mercer projected for 28 goals and 62 points. I mean, obviously, like he's not going to get a lot of power play time. I think last year it was 30 30 percent power play share, just over a minute. And well, it was a minute and 19 uh, seconds per game, but he was also a top 100 player uh, in points per 65 and five last season. So I think that's that's where you're going to see the most the bulk of the production from Dawson Mercer. And if there's any injuries, he's going to be a almost an immediate candidate to step in on on power play. Absolutely, yep, for sure, for sure. Uh, where's he going right now? Again, 162. At the time of writing, so that that's good value in a guy that that could put up close to thirty goals potentially. Yeah, you bet. So, and he's only what twenty? Oh, he's twenty one. He's young. He's very young. He's really young. So he's got lots. He's got lots of room to grow yet. Yeah, like I mean, he's gonna be a good player. He is a good player, but I mean, yeah, he is a good player. He could be a really good player. Well, and again, so he's got, he's played two straight seasons of 82 games, which is also fantastic. Um, but he's approaching his 200 game breakout threshold. So 164 games played. He's going to cross that at about the midway point of this season. So it's, it's not like some magical thing that happens as soon as you hit 200 games, but he's in that, that range, right? So just, it'll be interesting to watch yeah. him see, uh, just see how he does this year. And really, like he had fifty six points last year, so sixty two isn't isn't a huge stretch for him to go up. No, we're we're not reaching here. I don't think on the point total. And then was it twenty seven goals? Right? Yeah, twenty seven goals too. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much uh, you know a, a similar production as to what we saw. His his shooting percentage was maybe a little bit high last year at sixteen point eight percent. So if that comes down a little bit, but maybe he starts shooting the puck a little more, which he did again last year. So six point eight in his first year. 
uh, shots to goal per 60 to 7.1 this past season. You know, if he can build on that a little bit more this year, and even if his shooting percentage goes down, it's kind of a wash. So we'll just see what happens there. Yeah. Dougie Hamilton, Bruce, probably uh, speaking of, of shots and shot rate, um, <laughs> this guy, shots monster, second among defensemen last year with 9.24 shots on goal per 60, second only to Roman Yossi. Uh, and over the past three seasons, he ranks first amongst defensemen at 8.99 shots on goal per 60. So, yeah. If you notice a theme with all these players, they like to shoot the puck. They sure do. I, they love to shoot the puck. Love to shoot it. Yeah. Well, you can't score if you don't shoot. So it's it's exactly. <laughs> and we've talked about it a lot. So that's that's one of the first things I, I think any fantasy manager looks at is is, is shot rate. Um, you bet. You know, I, I I don't think anyone likes taking players that shoot one point two shots on goal per game or or <laughs> you know it's 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 not ideal. Uh, it's very limiting no. for sure. So career best for him: seventy four points and twenty two goals last season. Uh, but his production was influenced by some luck. Uh, on the power play, he shot a career-high 16% on 50 shots, well above his previous career high, uh, his previous career average of 7.7%. Um, and that difference in shooting percentage actually accounts for a difference of four or five goals based on last year's shot volume. So that right there, you could see a few more, or a few less power play goals uh, his individual shooting percentage overall was inflated, eight uh, percent relative to his career average of six point four. His IPP was a bit high, fifty three point six percent. So there's some things that I would just keep an eye on. Dougie Hamilton, obviously, this team's gonna be really good. He's gonna continue shooting the puck. I don't have any real concerns. It's just there are some things that were inflated last year. And the way this team is, you never, you just don't know, right? It's. It on paper, it's it's stacked. So that's yeah. I I have no concerns, Bruce, about um about where he's going to be this year. Like he's he's going to continue producing points. We know he's going to put up fifteen to twenty goals probably, and and be around seventy points again if he if he stays healthy and and uh, things go well there. So don't don't get scared. I mean, I think he's he's going to be one of the top defensive taken off the boards. Oh, I think so too. Uh, a little harder to project is Luke Hughes because I, I really don't know. We've got him here, Bruce, at six goals and 40 points, but we just don't have enough information to realistically project his point totals for next year. Two playoff games, I think that's all we have. <laughs> <laughs> but he did really well in those two playoff games. So it's three, three playoff games. Yeah, two, two, three playoff games. Yeah, two regular season and three playoffs. So not, not a big difference, okay. obviously. But four, I mean, he had four points in five games played last year. Yeah. So that means he's, what, a 70-point defenseman then? <laughs> so let's project him for 70 points. Mark it up. Um, no, and the thing is, like, he's going... Th- this is interesting. I-, I looked at this today, and, uh, like, he's got really... He's got a lot of potential for Dynasty and Keeper Leagues. Absolutely. Like, grab this guy probably as early as you can. But Dougie Hamilton still owns the power play for the next few seasons, right? I, I don't next think while, that's yeah. not going to change. And... Um, for this season in redraft leagues, it's really interesting to see where he's going. He's going at 119 on average. So that's we're looking at like kind of in the 10th round. And consider that in that same range, there's players like Aaron Eckblad, excuse me, an ADP of 115, obviously going to miss some time with injury, but you've got Drew Doughty yeah. at 117, Justin Falk at 119, Chris Letang at 119, 
Tony D'Angelo at 127, Jacob Trouba at 127, and Morgan Riley at 127. So those guys are all there. I mean, Morgan Riley, uh, Justin Falk, Drew Doughty, all going to get power play one time. Uh, Chris Letang, you know, he's going to get a little less power play. Riley does. Right. Well, I think, yeah, again, that's that's a situation where it's a bit muddled too now. But um, they're all guys who also provide category coverage. Like Justin Falk, Chris Letang, and Jacob Trouba, those are three multi-category contributors, particularly for bangers leagues. That's it's mm-hmm. going to be really hard for me to pass on on one of those guys and grab Luke Hughes because I know Luke Hughes isn't getting power play one time. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a stretch, but if you're uh, if you're someone that wants to gamble a bit in, in that spot, you you might be a good gamble. You never know. Yeah, I, I think at that point in the draft, if it's if it's my tenth pick, I'm much more comfortable taking a guy like. Chris Letang, just knowing that like he's going to contribute in hits and blocks, he's still going to have even strength ex- uh, exposure to whether it's Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. Um, Aaron Ekblad, when he does come back, is going to have exposure to a a great top six in Florida. Morgan Riley, whether or not he plays on power play one, still is going to play in the top pairing and have exposure to Marner and Matthews. So I'm just. I don't know. It's it seems like a bit of a gamble at the tenth in the tenth round, but that's that's where yeah, he's going. Yeah, there's lots lots more uh, stable options available there. Yes, sir. All right, let's move on to goaltending here. Then quickly, uh, I still think like this is Vitek Vanacek's net to own at least to start the year. I think so too. If he falls apart, then obviously they've got Akira Schmid there. But I, I still think, Bruce, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I still think they want to go out and grab a workhorse goaltender, even if it's just Connor Hellebuck for one season or, or half yeah. a season. They grab him at the, at the deadline and try and make the money work. But I think they're one deadline piece away. deals on goalies, though, oof, they haven't haven't worked well. The only one that I can remember that worked well in the past was uh, Rolleston for Edmonton when they made their run. It, it can happen, right? I mean, but I, I really do feel, and the Edmonton Oilers in 2006 felt the same way, if we're one piece away and that's that's a, a workhorse goaltender, you have an elite goaltender in Connor Hellebuck who's on an expiring contract. Yeah. Why wouldn't you try and make that move and just for one season? I mean, if it costs you one of your goaltenders, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. If you win a cup, yeah, do, if you win know. a cup, do you care if you lose Vanacek? Yeah, but then you look at uh, look at what Vegas did. They didn't need a top tier goaltender to to win either. So, yeah, I I feel like Hill is maybe a bit underrated. Like he did really well in in some pretty terrible teams in Arizona for a long time, and San Jose, and San Jose, and I think he just yeah, I don't know. Obviously, playing for a good team changes things, but definitely. Uh, Hard, hard to pass on Hellebuck if you can make that happen. Obviously, the concern oh, there, too, sure. is you're not going to pay him $10 million next season if that's what he wants, right? No, not with the caliber of forwards that uh, New Jersey's got. He's not going to get that. But I mean, maybe he does take a bit of a discount if Jersey comes knocking and says, hey, like, things went well. You want to stick around? Yeah. Like, maybe we can pay you a reasonable maybe. salary. Maybe. We're also in the in the era, Bruce, of uh, NHL players taking NBA style deals and just pay me the money. Short term, so, big money. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I won't get into it because I don't really like it <laughs> at all. <laughs> I don't yeah. respect it. But um, all right, let's go to the New York Islanders. 
as much as this is going to pay me, Bruce, there are a couple players on the Islanders that uh, I don't mind talking about here. So there's two for me and that's about it. Yeah. Um, 42, 31 and nine. They were fourth in the Metro. They were 22nd in goals for at 2.95, fifth in goals against at 2.65 goals for at 52.72 was 11th. Corsi four was 20th special teams. They were 30th on the power plate, 15.8% and ninth on the penalty kill at 82.8%. They've got 10 back-to-back sets this season tied for the fourth fewest with the Edmonton Oilers, the Detroit Red Wings, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I kind of like that, Bruce. That tells me right there, like, I mean, going beyond the obvious, you obviously you have, like, a guy like Sorokin you want to target, a guy like Vasilevsky you yeah. want to target. Um, but maybe that tandem in Edmonton, you know, is is appealing too. So, um, Definitely. 29% of the games are played on light days, fifth fewest with the Dallas Stars. Key additions absolutely nothing <laughs> and, <laughs> i don't think there was any additions they they jettisoned bailey yes who but I signed a pto uh, today yeah in ottawa so that seems like that's uh that's a nice depth ad for them definitely yeah when i looked at the islanders lineup i didn't see any real no no notable additions no just some some depth moves there nothing to really be yeah. too excited about um so I guess, Bruce, we can just say they, they stayed largely the same. There wasn't really any yeah. activity here from the Islanders. No. Uh, okay, let's let's just start with, I mean, I had mentioned Sorokin, so let's let's go there first. I think that's kind of a, that's low-hanging fruit, Bruce. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. A, let's go for it. All right, uh, 60 starts, 73% net share, and 33 wins is what we got him projected for. He's getting plenty of preseason Vesna love, and I would say rightfully so. Uh, he's been in the top three in terms of save percentage and goals against average the past three seasons. Uh, is he the top fantasy goaltender for you right now, given the goals against average and just his talent? Or, or are you still... like I'll just say, for me, I like Shesterkin better still because I think the Rangers are going to win more games and wins yeah. still matter in most fantasy league setups. So what do you think? Yeah, yeah I think I would give the edge to Shesterkin there in terms of fantasy. In terms of actual real life goaltending, I think Sorokin might be a slightly ahead of Shesterkin. Yep. But in terms of fantasy, yeah, I would. But uh, I don't think I would. Uh, I'm not taking a goaltender at 16. Sorry, that's just not happening. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm kind of warming up to it a little bit. Um, I'm not going to blow a ton of draft capital, but if I have an opportunity, like depending on where I'm drafting and depending on the league setup. Like I know in our, yeah. in our ESPN league, unless Bruce or uh, Tyler changes the league settings, I think we get five wins or five points for a goalie win. Yeah, you know, so they in that particular setup, goaltending matters, and yeah. it's hard. To, it's it is zero G is tough. You got to really commit to finding guys and and streaming goaltenders and. Um, I did, and and you can do it. I, I, it's absolutely <laughs> a viable draft strategy. Uh, well, nobody picked any Leaf goaltender, so I took them really, really late. And they're, you know they're going to get wins, yep. so it's it's the Leafs, right? You know they're going to win games. So If I could lock up Samsonoff and, and Wool this year, that's de- that's absolutely a tandem I, I have interest in. Yeah. But it's going to be tricky because you, you have to try and get Samsonoff earlier, and there's a chance that Wool takes over at some point this year. So, Yeah, it's it's that's an in, in, excuse me interesting thing there too, right? Where we know here in uh, on the Long Island, you, you know who's 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 a net and who's not. 
Yeah. Varlamov is going to spend a lot of time on the bench this season, a lot of time on the bench. Yeah, we've got him at 27% net share and just uh, 23 starts, 10 wins. So, which I don't think is surprising. Varlamov at this point in his career probably doesn't care all that much either. So, um, no, and it didn't sound like he wanted to go anywhere else either. Yeah, but you know, going back to the the how how I would approach goaltending early in the fantasy draft, if I can secure one of those top five or six guys, given you know league settings and where I'm drafting, yeah. I I may not avoid it this year. I may like, I I may look at a guy like uh, Shesterkin or Jake Ottinger. Like I think Jake Ottinger is going to be an absolute workhorse this year yeah. behind a wagon of a team in Dallas there is a very good chance that guy gets some Vesna consideration this year. For sure. Like, for sure. You know, that, that's one that I'm not going to be too, too upset with if I have to spend a, a second or third round pick on. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Sorokin, uh, lots of starts, a few wins sprinkled in. And then I want to jump up to Matthew Barzal because he, like, it almost feels like the guy's a bust, Bruce. But I, he's he's kind of he came out hot his first season, uh, eighty five points, twenty two goals, or his second season, whatever it was. But in in six NHL regular seasons since, like that's that's still his career high to date. I think if you take Barzell out of Long Island and put him anywhere else, I think he's close to a point per game player. That's fair. I think it's yep. the fact that he's stuck on Long Island and. We talk talk about the next one in line here too. I think I think the same thing is gonna happen to him this season too. I think it's the fact that they're they're stuck on Long Island and that system is just not conducive to putting up scoring. It's just they're a defense first team and I just don't see a ton of points coming out of coming out of there. No, like as much as I said I, I don't like I don't find Carolina super sexy, I definitely don't find the Islanders. Uh, no. to be a, a super interesting team fantasy wise. So um yeah, I think Barzal, like for me, he's a guy that's he's gonna score you, you know, roughly we've got him for twenty three goals and seventy points. He's gonna be somewhere around twenty ish goals and yeah. mid sixties to low seventies, like if if all goes well, right? It's Yeah. I'm thinking mid sixties. And his average draft position reflects that. This is a guy he doesn't really provide you any category coverage either beyond that. So uh, no, he's a pure pure points guy. Like in a points league, great. You can draft him and feel comfortable. Maybe he gets you a point per game if he has a great season, but yeah. beyond that, not too much to get excited about. Um, let's move on to the next guy because Bo Horvat actually does have some intrigue for specific categories, and he's shown that he can produce uh, offensively at times. So last year at the deadline, or not, it wasn't even, it was early, right? I think it was in February when they made that trade. Yeah, it was earlier than the. It was quite a bit earlier than the deadline. Well, and I they actually were were they out of the playoffs before Horvat joined, and then things turned around pretty quick once he joined. Uh, if I recall, don't quote me on that. But playoffs last year. Well, they. But I don't think I, they made I just it. know they were out of it completely. Like it wasn't happening. And, they got close. They got close. And that's right. And then they got very close. So it, it was. Yeah. Or did, I think I want to say they did, Bruce. No, I don't think they made it in. Maybe not. I'm going to fact check that later. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, what was the issue there? It was, he so 54 points in 49 games, 90 point pace over 82. Um, 
but then his produ- production dropped off a cliff, right? And it, and it was due to yeah. his shooting the percentage. Trade. Well, <laughs> the trade, yeah. He went he went to Long Island to die. And it's funny because yeah. a lot of us said when it happened, like, oh boy, like, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go off a cliff, and it sure did. There there is the death of Bo Horvat's uh, fantasy hockey career. Yeah, uh, but it was his shooting percentage. So going from twenty two percent to eight percent is a massive massive decline. So. Uh, not, uh, yeah, probably not going to happen again this year. Right. Like I think you, yeah. that'll, that'll shake out and it's going to be a little bit of a wash. Yeah. I found it a bit, a bit of irony too. Right. So Horvat goes back to, uh, goes back to the Island. So when, uh, the Islanders traded for Corey Snyder, I think it was Corey Snyder. They traded the Bo Horvat pick to the Canucks. That's the pick they used to pick Horvat. And then they traded Horvat back to the Islanders. <laughs> that is, that is interesting. Um, okay. I fact checked this too, Bruce, just, you know, the Islanders did make the playoffs in 23. They did. Yes. They, they lost, uh, their opening round series to the Carolina hurricanes. And I think it was in like, Oh, five, that's why I don't remember. Cause it was, it was a, in five or six oh, games. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that, cause I remember that being the story it was Horvat basically came in in February. Um, and it paid off and the the team things turned around, puck possession turned around. And part of it, is Horvat is an absolute gem when it comes to faceoffs. Mm-hmm. So if you're fantastic it, faceoff guy, yeah, if you're in a league that counts faceoff wins, this is obviously a guy you want to target. Patrice Bergeron um, has has been the guy, right? And so over the past three seasons, yeah. only Bergeron has had more faceoff wins than Bo Horvat. So Patrice Bergeron twenty seven forty eight for Horvat, just under twenty five hundred. Uh, face-off wins and then last season he was third behind Bergeron and Sidney Crosby so um, could be could be a top two or three face-off guy again this year wow I didn't think Crosby was that high Crosby wins some face-offs apparently yeah he wins one or two there you go <laughs> uh, and then kind of mixed in here Bruce we got a bunch of guys Anders Lee Brock Nelson Kyle Palmieri we've got uh, Lee at 52 points and 33 goals Nelson at 34 goals and 67 points and then 18 goals and 41 points for Palmieri so kind of just older veteran players that most fantasy managers don't get too excited about they're generally waiver wire fodder no the only one maybe would be Anders Lee he scores he scores goal. he scores goals that's about all he scores is goals but that's yeah, I, I probably so have more interest in, in Brock Nelson, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I, I hear what you're just saying. Just for category coverage and stuff like that, maybe. Well, he's, I think he's the better offensive producer right now at this point in their careers. But Yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's a whole lot of meh. It's a, it's a whole <laughs> lot. Exactly. Exactly. It's a whole lot. of the. Uh, I guess the only one that probably with any upside this year or someone that you want to take a maybe something a late round on would be Wallstrom. Yes. He's going to get a ton of opportunity this year. So I think he's presently going undrafted, but that could be someone to put on your watch list and keep an eye on because he's going to get lots of opportunity this year. And if he can take advantage of it, he could be a he could be a sneaky good uh, a sneaky good option. I mean, the issue with Wallstrom because he has great rate stats. Like his his shot volume or shot rate is is I think borderline elite. Like he was at uh, where was he, Bruce? He was like 10, 10, 10 to ten point seven. I like guess that's fantastic. I think his health is his biggest issue. Well, it's deployment for me. It's like... Well, that too, right? He wasn't... What did he play last year? 12-10 average time on ice. Um, and seasons before that, I don't even think it reached double digits. Uh, no, it did, but just like... So it was 12 minutes, 12-10, 12-04, 12-23, and then in his first year, it was 10-17. But you're right. A, lo- a lot of times, 
he had single digit number or minutes, right? He was he didn't get utilized. Yeah. And he's had no power play time to speak of. So nope. 20% power play share last year, 35 the year before that, 43 the year before that. He is again another player that's approaching his 200 game breakout threshold. Um I, I'm intrigued. He's a guy that's definitely gonna be on my watch list. I've streamed him at times and he's done just fine for me, but yeah. Um still a long way to go with that player for sure. Yes. Okay, and then next guy though. Yeah. This guy though, I've I'd been I I'm interested in drafting. Yeah, I mean last last Islander we'll talk about tonight. Um Noah Dobson, an ADP of one eleven point nine. We've got him projected for 14 goals and 55 points. That's a little early for me, but uh, yeah, I like what he I like what he did last year. I had him uh, I had him last year in one league, and he did really well for me. He's been really consistent the last two years. He's played at a 52 point pace, you know, around 200 shots. His shooting percentage has been between 6.3 and 6.8 percent. Um, this last year, though, or last two seasons, it's the big change has been on the power play, right? So he's looked at yeah. roughly 70% power play share in each of the past two seasons. Yeah. Yeah, he's got, see, last year he had 23 power play points. The year before he had 25. So very, very consistent the last two years in terms of power play points. And that's good, good covers. Like you're, you're happy with that production on the power play, I think, from your, if you can get 25 yeah. power play points from your defenseman, you're, you're happy with that. I think you're happy with that. Yeah. Um, 13 goals in back-to-back seasons as well. So, and then a bit of category coverage, right? One hit per game or close to one hit per game and one and a half blocks. Yeah. And like you said, his shots aren't too bad either. He took 206 last year and 190 the year before. So he's not afraid to shoot the puck either. So that's, that's nice for a defenseman too. Yeah. And I looked at it right now. He's, he's being drafted as the 23rd defenseman off the board. Um, so for me that, wow. that feels like, a pretty good spot for him. Like I, yeah, he's basically, he's, he's a power play one top pairing defenseman on a team that will push for a playoff spot. So, yeah, I think he has a, he has an opportunity to uh, exceed his, his ADP uh, for the season. Yeah, I think so. Alrighty. Uh, that does it, Bruce. That, that is the metropolitan division fantasy preview part two. And that actually concludes our divisional previews for this season. Um, it's been, it's been uh, I'm not going to say a long summer, but we've been at this for a while now, just doing these two-part divisional previews, I think, since... Yeah. Oh, boy. July. We this, <laughs> I think we started this back, uh, well, it might have been August, start of August, but August. still, yeah, we've had lots, we've had lots yeah. of great guests, so um, thank you to everyone that, uh, you know, jumped on the podcast and talked hockey with us. We had... Uh, Matt Larkin, Caleb Kearney, Stephen Ellis, Jason Chen, Flip Livingstone, Michael Amato. Um, we still have Johnny Lazarus coming on here in a couple weeks, I think. Um, nice. Yeah, and then next week, we've got Ian Gooding joining us uh, awesome. on Thursday next week. And then Nate from Apples and Geno is going to join us on the 28th. And then I think Lazarus, Johnny Lazarus is actually had moved to October 5th. So still some good mm-hmm. guests coming up here. Um, but we're going to be talking about a few different things beyond just the divisional preview. So uh, I'm excited to uh, shake that up, Bruce, for the next couple of weeks. Most definitely. All right. And then, uh, like I said, if you want to get entered to win one of those ultimate uh, fantasy prize packs from Dauber Hockey, 
Leave us a five-star review either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, follow us on Twitter slash X and uh, send me a screenshot of your rating and then uh, we'll try and get you hooked up with one of these price packs. So I'll send you a screenshot of my rating. All right, let's see that rating, Bruce. We need to get, <laughs> get those ratings up, buddy. But you know what? I, I, we joke about this all the time, but it really did, it, it does help us um, get out to more listeners. And so if you enjoy it, yes, it does. if you enjoy the content that we're producing and, and it's helping you in your fantasy leagues, you know, tell a friend, leave a review, help us out. We really appreciate it. Uh, and then too, like I said, give us a follow on Twitter slash X at F, FH Hacks. Check the website out at Fantasy Hockey Hacks. <laughs> and then also be sure to tune in at EdmontonSportsTalk.com on Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Mountain Time for Oilers Live. And then Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Mountain Time uh, to listen to us on the Hacks Hangout. And again, we've got that regular rotation of, of guests for the, the season, which I'm really excited about, Bruce. Yeah, me too. That's a great lineup of guests and they, they're excited to come on. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, and, and I like the format too. I think especially like we're kind of doing more preview stuff still, but as we get into the regular season and we have, you know, current stuff to talk about in season, yeah, it's just going to be a lot more laid back and engaging and just kind of more conversational. So I'm looking forward to that this season. Yeah, yeah me too. It's going to be lots and lots of fun. All right, Bruce, uh, I need to finally get to bed here at a reasonable time. So I'm going to let you go. <laughs> we will talk to you, uh, talk to you on Wednesday. Sounds good. Good night. Take care.